Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's designed to help you take your business to the next level. And while I really try to deal with very relevant topics, I also try to have thoughts and insights that help you think about your business. Today, I want to talk about a topic that I'm seeing out there that is one of these that really separates, I think, the good companies from the very good and the great companies. And that is not the actual leadership, but the leadership team itself. When I look at companies, some very big and some very small, it's not often the leader that ultimately wins the game. It's the leadership team. Now, you think about this as it relates to sports. There's been many, many sports teams, for example, like uh, the LA Angels that have amazing players on the team, but somehow, some way, don't end up winning the playoffs. The reason, in many cases, is kind of the whole balance of the team. And I would say with businesses, that leadership team is, in fact, the difference between getting to the playoffs and certainly getting to the championship. So leadership teams really are important to think about. And I'm going to give you, I think, a few things that maybe can help you take your leadership acumen or leadership team acumen to the next level. Needless to say, it all starts with understanding, and I think being, for example, a strong leader yourself, but also the fundamental competency of each leadership team member. While it's relatively high, it's also very different from each other. You'll have some people that are uber conservative and some people that are very aggressive and liberal. You have some people that tend to be a little bit more introverted and some people that are extroverted. You have some people that, you know, can deal with fires very well and other people that like things kind of slow and steady. So leadership team members are not necessarily one size fits all. It's really a very diverse group. So here's a list of a few things to be thinking about when it comes to leadership. Number one Make it a priority. Now, many, many years ago, I actually, I think, kind of bumbled into this. And that was I was with someone that was talking about my meetings and the importance of really having world-class meetings. And he really told me at the time, look, this is your job. And when something is your job, you tend to make it a priority. So I would encourage, first and foremost, make your leadership team a priority. Now, this sounds pretty simple and almost like a box that many of you would check off, but what do I mean by making it a priority? How much time are you devoting to developing your leadership team? How much time are you you devoting to coaching them, to advising them? How much time are you spending to analyzing the effectiveness and the culture and the dance between the different leadership team members? You should be devoting at least five to 10 hours a week, in my opinion, specifically on how do I take my leadership team to the next level. And the only way to do that is by making it a priority and really carving out the time. The second thing is you need to take inventory. And just like taking inventory of your processes, your marketing, your sales, different inventory, you need to take inventory of your leadership team itself. 
I oftentimes, when I'm advising and working with folks, I say, think about your leadership team like a conference table that has a series of chairs around it. And look at each person in that chair and take inventory in terms of their voice, in terms of their contribution, in terms of their synergies with the others. But most importantly, what chairs are empty? What's missing? What chairs are weak around that table? So three questions I usually encourage, I think, people to ask when it comes to leadership team members. One is, can they do the job? And that's all about competency. It's about skills. Now, the skills of a leadership team member are not necessarily the same as the skills of a player on the field. These are skills in leadership. It's oftentimes about developing others. It's about managing others. It's not just do the work. So can they do the jobs and do they have the competency? The second is, will they do the job? And that's really about mindset. It's about attitude. It's about understanding that this is a team sport, not an individual sport. Do they check their egos at the door? So that whole element in terms of will they do the job is extremely important. And then lastly is about the fit. And the fit in this case is kind of a cultural element, but even more than culture, can they handle the pace? Can they handle the cadence that's required to be successful? Now, given, I think, the times that we've certainly been experiencing, we've seen a lot of diversity, how people fit. Do their true colors come out in adversity like we've experienced? And I think you can really see kind of the separation between those that fit and those that don't. While these are really simple three questions, I really find that if you can take some time and you can take some inventory, you can determine where your strengths and where your weaknesses are within your existing leadership team. And then you can start down that path of improving, shoring them up, or potentially finding a replacement. Now, oftentimes when you think about uh, uh, leadership team members, it does change in terms of their skill sets based on the scale of the business. There are some companies I work with that are $5 million companies that the leadership team members, quite frankly, of a $5 million company are not the same as it would be for a $20 million company. So while someone may have performed at lower altitudes in terms of the business, it may be challenging for them to perform in the future. Number three is really start to visualize and communicate to the leadership team in terms of kind of where you're heading with everything. You know, I think the more that they understand it, the more that they feel it, the more that they get it. The more that they can visualize the importance of them as a team, the more likely I think they're going to win. Number four is alignment. Now, if you think about alignment, almost like rowing a boat, you know, are your leadership team members aligned with each other? Now, that doesn't mean they're the same with each other, but they're aligned with your vision, with your pace, with your goals. They are needing to be all aligned with each other if, in fact, you're going to be successful. Number five on my list of creating a really a world-class leadership team is are they investing in themselves? 
Now, this sounds a little bit almost uh, a, a little bit patronizing. Of course, leadership team members would be investing in themselves, but it's really not necessarily true. When I work with CEOs and presidents of companies, one of the things I try to do is I look at the leadership team members and I want to see how much time and energy are they putting into themselves to try to get better. Now, this might be a little bit of a mysterious question. So what you have to do is actually test them. You have to give them opportunities. You have to maybe give them a good leadership book and then expect them to come back and report back to you or the team on the particular things that they're learning from it. Are they really investing in them to themselves or not? Number six on the list of kind of world-class leadership teams. It's very important, I think, as the CEO and the leader to listen to the dissident voices in the room. Now, I actually learned this many, many years ago when I actually had a, hella, a head of a, a warehouse and, and, and delivery as one of our leadership team members. And he was more reserved and quieter than anyone else on the leadership team. I would actually ask George and pro- probe him to try to give us some insights on things that we were discussing that weren't necessarily in his wheelhouse. What was interesting, he became an important voice within the room. What was interesting, being involved in the delivery systems, he actually touched more clients, more projects, and more of our production personnel than really anyone else in the company. So he had a real pulse in terms of the voice of, I think, in many ways, the people within the company that was very different. So think about those people that tend to be a little quieter on your leadership team. It's really up to you as the leader to get their voice out there, to really ask not only what are they seeing in the tea leaves, but also I think the more that they do that, the more respect others will have of their opinions, and then ultimately you're going to make better decisions. And then number seven on my list was change. You know, you've heard from me the little adage, you know, if you're not changing, you're becoming irrelevant. I think this is especially true with leadership team members. You know, as times, as the environment changes, you need different kind of leadership team members. As the size of the business grows and changes, you need not only different team members, but you'll need a different structure within the team members themselves. But if you're not adjusting and changing, and this is a very difficult thing, you oftentimes, if you have a controller, you have to, at some point, you should get a little bit bigger, bring in a CFO that has a different skill set. If you've got a director of sales, sometimes you need to bring in a VP of sales and marketing or a chief marketing officer over the head of marketing. You need to do that, not necessarily to hold anyone back, but you need to do that because the business requires it. You require it. The leadership and the people requires it. So in closing, this is not about being big or small. This is about having a real team and a real force, a real muscle, pillars underneath you that can push you forward rather than you pulling them forward. And the only way I think that you're going to take that business to the next level is not just how strong you are, it's how strong your leadership team is, and that will really help you. So I want to thank those that support our podcast series, 
certainly my friends at NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, as well as Professional Remodeler, and uh, Surefire Local, who produces this podcast. And coming up, I have a special thought leader interview on the topic of leadership. Take care, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Richardson. And today I have a very special guest, a good, good friend, Andy Wells, who's the CEO of Normandy Design Build. They're actually located in the Chicago area. Uh, Andy will tell you a little bit more about certainly his story, but I thought it was especially important because as we talked about in the first segment, you know, leadership and leadership teams are kind of two different things. And what I'm really excited about today is having a conversation with Andy, not just about some of his kind of leadership style and voice, but what he's been able to kind of grow under or around him. And that's what I would consider a very, very strong, certainly leadership team. So Andy, uh, welcome to Remodeling Mastery. And why don't, we, why don't we begin by sharing a little bit more of the Andy Wells slash Normandy story to set a little bit of context. Hi, Mark. Good to see you. Good to talk to you again. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, this is a great topic, leadership teams. I think for us, it's become a really big deal. And it's, you know, trying to think about how to talk about it um, makes me go back a little bit in history. Normandy's been around for 41 years and we've enjoyed good success over the years. Uh, but as I really thought about the topic of leadership teams, I'd have to say it kind of was a evolution over time. And, uh, you know, in days past, there were three of us owners and now I'm the only owner. Back then there were two founders and I was the young guy and our leadership team meetings were held around lunch and we kind of talked about business and that was about it. So um, as, as the ownership structure changed a little bit and uh, my father-in-law passed away and I had more on my plate to do, I kind of realized that I'm going to need some more professional help in different roles. I quickly hired a CFO because that was a big part of what I was doing is all the financial stuff. Um, but actually naming it a leadership team probably happened four or so years ago. We, we had a group of managers and we met as managers and had manager meetings. But then as we talked in, in groups I've been in, the concept of leadership team and what does that mean really started to take root. And uh, at that point, we started to become more intentional about what is a leadership team. And we actually hired a, a consultant who helped us define how we as a team work together, as well as the, how I work with the leadership team. And it just became more formalized. Um, and it also helped some of our managers grow into bigger and better roles than what maybe they would have just lived with had we not been that intentional. Um, I, so let's let's talk about that 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 transition or that evolution, because I think that Andy really hits a chord for many people out there, because if you really think about it, you know, at the beginning of this, you might've been a one man band where you were not only the maitre d', but you're, 
you know, do the, doing the cook and certainly cleaning the dishes. But as the, the business grew, you know, you started to have, I think, different legs to it. And so as you think about this kind of evolution, it may not have been like a, a big conscious thing, but clearly something drove you to say, I need more. I need to have, you know, more bandwidth. What, what, where, what was one of those milestones or moments of truth for you? Well, I think one of the big things was my father-in-law who started the business passed away. And then more of the responsibility landed on me. And I realized I can't do all this alone. We, we did enjoy some success of growth and, and being a larger company, but yet didn't have a real formal leadership structure other than the three owners. And um, when we were trying to build our way back from the recession, I realized that I can get more done with other people, you know, getting results through others is part of being a good leader. And um, by putting people into some roles that maybe had we done it earlier, we'd had better results and better growth before. And um, not, not just spreading myself thin enough to do it good enough, have people in roles that they can do a great job. So now I think, you know, we're very much focused on the fact that we have a leadership team that leads their departments and leads other people and collaborates. And um, we as a group are all invested in the success of what we're doing now and into the future. So Andy, let me, let me throw out a situation and maybe you can give us uh, whether this hits a chord for you. I always found and kind of learned like you, it seems like the hard way rather than be necessarily taught, but you know, sometimes leaders for a $5 million company are different than 10 and different than 20 and even different than a 30 million. And you might be only a three, $4 million company right now, but you can't just assume that just because someone is sitting in that particular seat and discipline, that they're going to be especially tr strong when the company gets much, much bigger. Have you experienced that? I think in your, uh, you know, in, in your evolution. Uh, yeah, I think for sure. In marketing department, for example, we kind of did it with part-time help and outsourced help and that worked well enough for a while. And then when we really wanted to move into digital push and really focusing on our coordinated effort, we needed to get a professional versus kind of the, the part-time consultants we had. Um, we just finally hired a full-time IT director this year. That's probably something we should have done years ago and we limped along. Um, so it's the same person that we had before. It's just, we needed more and they, um, they stepped into the role. Um, so it, not necessarily people, I haven't necessarily encountered people who couldn't grow with us. I think that's been a real positive thing for us. I could certainly see that you could outgrow the capabilities of some people, but I think we've been fortunate in timely retirements that, you know, somebody who was excellent for 30 years couldn't have done the job we're doing now. Excellent. Uh, so it hasn't really had to be a nasty situation. It's just been a fortunate situation, I would say. So I, you know, I've, I've certainly bragged about your leadership team being especially strong. Part of its strength must be kind of its synergy, how you interact and you communicate and how you 
kind of respect and care from about each other. Give us, I know maybe it's a little bit mystical, but give us some of your insights on, on, on that, uh, that, that the way that you kind of make the parts and pieces kind of gel together. Well, I think a big part of it is the level of communication. Um, Pre-COVID, we would we- meet weekly, um, and that would usually be a catch-up in, you know, in our conference room where we, interdepartmentally we would talk about what are issues that you know, each department may be having and how the other departments are affected or could be affecting these issues. Uh, and we would work together to solve those issues once a month, we would meet offsite and kind of review all of our metrics for every department. And those were compared to what we, in October-ish, we'll make annual goals for the next year and kind of hold each other to those goals. And how can we support you make your goals? Um, but it's a great group of people that clicks together and understands that we're all here for the big picture, not just my own personal success. Um, so well, one of the things I experienced with your actually uh, leader of production being so complimentary to what sales had done to kind of push things through and, 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 and kind of fill the pipeline. And I thought to myself, you know, that, that kind of the offense and the defense oftentimes don't talk about each other that way. So that must have been, you know, part of what uh, certainly you experienced with your team. Yeah. I mean, if we don't have a big pipeline, then the production side doesn't have a whole lot to do. So his interest is not only getting the jobs built very well and timely and profitably, but also assisting the sales team to make sure that they can capitalize on their opportunities and who better to help them than the person who's got the most experience out in the field to say, look out for these, you know, landmines or here's some opportunities where you can show yourself as an expert. But the team works really well together, and we really do also talk about corporate goals, and everybody's got to play their part. And if we do that, then, you know, I really like to take care of the team, too, financially. Yeah, I think that's so important. Uh, So in these times that obviously are unprecedented, certainly by any of us, you know, any kind of tips or insights on how to stay a little bit more aligned or keep the leadership team a little bit more, you know, fired up to kind of meet the challenges ahead? Well, I told you about our pre-COVID meeting schedule. When COVID hit, we started meeting on Zoom calls every morning. And a lot of that was just what, how do we do this? And that probably lasted two months where we'd call every morning at 9 a.m and go around the horn and what do we, you know, what do we do today and talk through issues. How are we going to build jobs during COVID? How, and everybody had input from their experiences. Well, we got kind of familiar with how we're going to do our business. And now, now we still call in every uh, three days a week. So the frequency of the meetings, even though they're not in person, has increased from once a week to three times a week. Sometimes those meetings are an hour and a half, sometimes they're 20 minutes but we're still communicating a lot um, and still reviewing what are, what are our metrics and what are our successes and you know what are our challenges. And if there are challenges, then usually a group of two or three will get together to solve that challenge. And it's usually not me, <laughs> which is great. Excellent. 
Well, and you know, I think what you hit on too, Andy, is really, really so important, and that is, uh, you know, when you're experiencing especially challenging times, you got to not only look at what you're talking about and how you're talking to each other, but also the frequency. Uh, you know, in a in a survey that I was looking at or hearing about recently, they said that most employees feel, you know, they're about 18 or 19 percent more productive in kind of this environment. However, uh, a fairly good percentage of them say that they're less connected, they're less uh, synergistic, they're less. And the only way that they're going to get, I think, a lot of those things back is by talking, as you said, and, 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 and staying connected. So, you know, any final tips, thoughts for our listeners that are out there kind of looking to build a leadership team or looking to, you know, kind of get their leadership team a little bit more uh, aligned and, and more effective? Well, I think there's two things that I would suggest. One is I'm, I'm, I'm two thirds of the way done with a book called Extreme Ownership. And it's not, it was recommended by a couple of different people. So I finally bought it and I'm reading it and it's great. It's two Navy SEALs. And it's, a, it's not about owning the company, but about owning your role. And you as the leader are responsible for your team, whatever the mission is to be successful. So if the team fails, it's really your failure, not blaming somebody else. So having people around you who own their role to me is critical. I mean, I can equate it much more simply where if there's a decision we together, me and a, uh, a leader uh, decide that there's gonna be a plan of action, I don't have to think about the fact that it actually is gonna get done. I trust that it's going to get done. And there's two-way communication up and down too, that if it can't be done, here's why, but it's not excuses, it's owning that. The other thing is about four years ago uh, in with this consultant, as we improved upon our leadership team, we started uh, monthly PNRs. So it's plan and review. And it's really a, a, a set time on the calendar every month for each leader to get together with me. And we, we review what last month did we commit to getting done. It's not all tactical. It, it might be self-improvement or things like that. And then what are we going to accomplish this coming month? And so that just really started to get things done for us. Where before we might talk about a, an, an issue or, a, a, or an objective and six months later go, did anybody finish that? And now with these monthly plan and review meetings, we, we got so much stuff accomplished that probably wouldn't have gotten done. And it's really directed by the leader reporting to me, but also staying on the same page that we're working toward the same goals. And then some of those bled into the, the leadership team meetings. So those were instrumental in having development of those leaders to become extreme owners, if you will. Um, but it's... it's uh, having the right people and having that trust and having the understanding that they've really got your back is really freeing. And it really allows me to focus on a whole bunch of different things that I don't have to worry about. Excellent. Well, I want to thank uh, Andy Wells. He's the CEO of Normandy, really one of the top, top remodeling companies in the United States out of the Chicago area. And uh, Andy, thank you for uh, joining me today. And, uh, Really, really appreciate it, and I think our listeners will as well. Thanks, Mark. Always good talking to you. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.